And if you have a sermon outline, you want to grab that now so that you can follow along with me as we look on this special Mother's Day mess at this special Mother's Day message at what I hope is a familiar passage to you from the first chapter of the book of Proverbs. Chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, we read, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So far, then, the reading of God's Word. What did I learn from my mother? I loved my mom. I had a wonderful mom. She's now also gone to be with the Lord. But you know what I learned? I learned how to cook. <laughs> she wanted to make sure I didn't starve to death, so she taught me how to cook. She taught me how to listen. She was a good listener. She taught me how to be loyal to my friends. Because as I watched my mother, everyone in the neighborhood valued her friendship. And she was always there for them and for her family. And they loved her back for it. She taught me loyalty. My mother taught me how to work hard. Now, my mother was a very elegant southern lady. But she was not afraid of hard work, and we had a, a, a farm with a large one-acre garden, and she would work in that garden, and my mother did not perspire. She sweat, and she smiled as she worked and enjoyed the fruit of her labors. She was a hard worker and enjoyed that, and it rubbed off. My mother taught me how to laugh. <laughs> we were always laughing together. My mother taught me how to express gratitude, not just to write thank you notes, but to be thankful and to tell people that you were grateful for who they were and, and what they did for you. My mother taught me to tell the truth. And there was one particular occasion where she used a belt to teach me to always tell her the truth. And I learned. My mother taught me how to save money and how to handle money. And I can still remember hearing her as if it was yesterday. I can still hear her say, Johnny, don't buy what you don't need with money you don't have. Wow. My mother taught me how to prepare to die. She lived with us for her final years, and she knew that the end was coming, and she prepared for it. She talked about it. She faced it, and she died well. So Mother's Day is precious to me. Uh, and as I was thinking about what to celebrate on Mother's Day, it was this passage in Proverbs 1 that came to mind, one that I hope 
you will allow me to just unpack for you these three little verses together. And I, I went to some old notes from John Piper and Al Martin and, and uh, Ted Tripp, who wrote Shepherding a Child's Heart. And all three say this is a passage that moms and dads need to know and hold precious themselves. Um, you'll see my outline comes right out of the text. And the first point is this, that the family is God's basic school where we instruct our children how to live in this world. And the reason I say that is if you look at verse 8, you see these words repeating over and over again. Words like wisdom, instruction, uh, teaching, instruction, knowledge. As he's addressing fathers and mothers, apparently this really matters. Your home is a schoolroom. And God ordained the family not just to be fruitful and make babies, but to generate families with wisdom and instruction and those who are skilled for life. The family is a school. The word wisdom is an interesting word. What is wisdom? I once heard John Frame put it like this. He said, wisdom is skill in godly living. That's actually a pretty good definition. Wisdom is skill in godly living. What that means, moms and dads, is that your home is not just a cafeteria. Your home is not just a hotel. Your home is not just a PlayStation and a recreation area. Your home, as it's described here, is a place of learning. It's a classroom. It's a school. And of course, you remember that marvelous passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where Moses, as the covenant is established, he says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you walk in the way and when you sit in your house and when you lie down and when you rise. So your home is a schoolroom. Who are the teachers? What is the curriculum? Well, that leads us right into point number two. Because if you look at point two, you'll see what is underlined in your program. And it is that both fathers and mothers share the responsibility to be teachers in the, in the home. Hear, my son, your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Now, this is not suggesting that they are two different enterprises. It's, it's Hebrew parallelism. He uses synonyms to say moms and dads are to teach their children. It does not say fathers work at the office and have no responsibility to teach their children. Fathers, you do. It does not say fathers teach and mothers change diapers. It does not say that. Fathers instruct, mothers teach. And even if you get assistance from grandparents, right? And we're so grateful for grandparents, or uncles and aunts or neighbors. Even if we take advantage of sometimes needing a nanny or a caregiver or a babysitter, 
Even if we trust a nursery school or a primary school or a secondary school, nonetheless, this text, it locates the ultimate responsibility for the nurturing of your children, moms and dads, with both of you, with you, okay? Now, there are times when it's unfortunate that maybe only one parent really cares about this. And so on a day like this, may I just say, um, the Bible says sometimes a dad does it on his own, sometimes a mother does it on their own. And actually, we have a marvelous testimony about a young man named Timothy in the New Testament whose grandmother and mother took Proverbs chapter 1 very seriously. Do you remember that passage when Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 5? He says this. He says, I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, Timothy, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. And he goes on to say down in verses 14 and 15 how they taught him in such a way that he became wise. You see, Timothy learned skill in godly living and especially wisdom unto salvation. And so, we have this beautiful testimony. Now, being a mother is hard work. If it was Father's Day, I would be talking to dads and saying it's hard to be a dad too, but being a mother is hard work. And I just want to say, moms, it's harder than we know. You are more than just a chauffeur. You are more than just a laundry maid. You are more than just a cook. Mothers, you, you give advice. You're more than just an advisor. You are a shepherd of your child's heart. Both parents shepherd their children's hearts. And if you have to do it on your own, then do it on your own. You shepherd the child's heart. You're more than just a wallet. So, I hope you have a high view of motherhood. The Bible does. And point number two, that's abundantly clear. And, and frankly, um, as we come to point number three, I want to say how excited I am to know the mothers of this church. I tell you, my friends, when I look at the fellowship of the, of the mothers in this congregation and I see what it is that energizes them to love their children well, I don't merely commend to you though I like other organizations, the PTA, that's great, the local soccer club, that's great. But the mothers of our church are doing things with their children that the PTA will never do, that the soccer coach will never do. What is that? Point number three. They will teach their children the fear of the Lord. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And they will teach them to believe the gospel. The foundation for the nurture of your children is this. What 
the Old Testament calls the fear of the Lord and what we come to see how it develops in that understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ becoming a relationship with him that becomes the foundation for how you understand the world, my son, my daughter, and the foundation for a moral compass inside your soul so that you know what is right and what is wrong. Now, somebody's listening, and, and you might ask, what is the fear of the Lord? Well, we could talk about that for a long time, and you can read all the Puritans. The Puritans were big on the fear of the Lord, but it simply boils down to this. The fear of the Lord is having a right view of who God is and what he has done and having a right response to it. A right view of God, who he is and what he has done, and the right response to it. That, very simply, is the fear of the Lord. And in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews speaks of our lives as those who stand before God with reverence and awe. That's the fear of the Lord. Now, for the unbeliever, the fear of God has to do with the judgment day. And yes, that's a scary thing. But in the, the rest of the Bible, for those who are in covenant with God and who believe in God, that is not the primary fear. For Christ has taken our punishment and has suffered the judgment for us in our behalf. But nonetheless, we marvel at what Jesus has done for us. And we then are humbled and stand before him in reverence and awe. Who is he? He's the creator. Do your children know that God is the creator? Who is he? He's the redeemer. Do your children know that God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. Think about this. Bear with me for a moment. Moms and dads, as your children take science classes, they're going to look through the telescope and they're going to see the stars. They're going to take biology classes and they're going to study the human body. Or they're going to study uh, botany and plant life. Now, when a child looks through a telescope and sees the star, do your children just see atoms and molecules banging into each other? Stardust? Is that what they see? Or do they understand from infancy, from childhood, that the heavens declare the glory of God? And the sky shows forth his handiwork. And they praise the Lord. If your child goes to medical school, some of the young people in our church will go to medical school. And if they go to medical school, they will study the, the human anatomy. They'll study the skeletal system and the endocrine system, the cardiovascular system. And they will understand how it operates. But will they say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Glory to God for his exquisite and intelligent design of his creation. You see, oh, I could go on and on about this. Your, your child likes art. 
That's good. Art is wonderful. But do, do your artists, your young artists, understand that beauty is found in God, and God is the supreme artist who paints the sunrise and the colors of the sky and the, and the trees and the sunset, and then he raises it and does it again the next day. Your kids like music? Do they like to compose or to sing? It's a wonderful thing. But do they understand that the Creator God when the morning stars exploded, the book of Job tells us God conducted the morning stars in singing for joy. And it is God who, uh, who brings the music of heaven to earth for us. Do they understand? Do your kids are going to learn how to be a farmer or, a, or to raise grass and flowers. And God is the one who sends, do they know, he's the one that sends water to fall on the earth and to give all creatures their food in due time. You see? That's real learning. And then, moms and dads, we want our children to have a moral compass. Where will they develop? How will they develop a moral compass? I know. Those movie stars in Hollywood that they like so much, that they will instruct them on what's right and wrong. Where will your, your sons learn uh, uh, about right and wrong? I know, in the locker room at school, as the boys are talking together. Is that right? The Bible says that God sent a Redeemer into this world. His name is Jesus. And Jesus came to teach us the Word made flesh, the Word that spoke to us, and He teaches us right and wrong. We learn from Jesus. We learn from all of the Bible about what is right and good and what is wrong and evil. You know, I have a friend who's now deceased, her name, Dora DeMoss. And Dora raised a beautiful family of, of Christian children, all now adults. And she says, you know, what I do is I teach my children that there's a Redeemer, and he wants them to love what he loves and hate what he hates. I thought that was, that, that was pretty good advice. Teach your children who are sinners about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that there is forgiveness for sins. And when they stray and when they struggle, would you love them with grace and mercy? And would you call them back to know the love of the Lord in their lives? Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Now, as we come to point number four, some of you are going to say, finally, at last, Pastor John, um, you're addressing the people who are addressed in this passage. Who is this passage actually addressed to? Well, he says, my son, and that will include daughters. And so point four is, listen up, children. <laughs> listen up, teenagers. What does he say? The end of verse 7 and the beginning of verse 8 are very penetrating. 
And God now has a word for anybody who has a mother or a father. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. And essentially, young people, he's addressing you, and he's saying, listen to your dad, and especially today we say to your mom. Why? Why should I do that, Pastor John? And the answer is because you believe in God. Do you believe in God? I hope you do. Children can believe in God. Children do believe in God. But children, teenagers, college students, if you do believe in God, then as a matter of trusting God, listen to the father he gave you. Listen to the mother God gave you. You didn't choose them. God chose them for you. They're not perfect. Your dad and mom are not perfect. My children's dad is not perfect. Nonetheless, if you have a dad, if you have a mom, be alongside them. Take seriously what they have to say. Later on in the book of Proverbs 22, it says, 23, it says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Isn't that interesting? What is it about young people that might cause them to despise their mother? Isn't that an ugly thought? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think one application for the teenagers is no more rolling of the eyes. <laughs> no more eye rolls when mom speaks. Listen to her. Why? Because you believe in God and God gave you your mother. Listen to her. And then, of course, it says, honor your father and your mother. And you say, where does the Bible say that? Well, you know the Ten Commandments? It's one of the Ten Commandments. Honor them. Don't mock them. Don't curse them. Honor your father and your mother. The New Testament says it in Ephesians 6. It says, you know what? Honor your father and your mother that it may go well with you. So now, one very important word for children and teenagers. It's this. Your dad is not your enemy. Your mother is not your enemy. They are for you. They are not against you. Really? You think they're your enemy? Don't treat your parents like your enemy. They love you so much. Honor them. Listen to them. Honor them. And then, according to this passage, if you want life to go well, cooperate with them. Cooperate. Now, some of our children have been given the extraordinary uh, character trait of skill in saying, no. <laughs> I'm sure none of your kids have that immediate response. No. You say, let's go to the right. They say, let's go to the left. You say, let's sit down here. They say, no, let's sit over there. Well, we love them. We bless those kids. We bless those kids. But you kids who are made 
with that unique, we call it contrarian uh, personality style. You have some work to do because it's not going to be easy for you to cooperate. And yet if you want to get along in this life, it is the contrarian who is often just sabotaging themselves again and again and again. And some parents, they're just so resigned to it, they just say, oh, isn't that cute? And a lot of times it's not cute. So, what did Elmo teach us in Sesame Street? He taught us that song. Cooperation makes it happen. Cooperation, working together. Hmm. Listen to your mother. Listen to your father. And if you do these things, point number five, He blesses you, like the Olympic athlete who gets the pendant, the gold medal. You see, what it's talking about is the gold medal in the, uh, when, as they stand on the winner's stand, the pendant and the garland. You know, as you see that there, for they are, gr forget not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. It's right there in the text. Oh, my friends, when the family is functioning on all these cylinders, there is blessing that comes. Now, I, sometimes it's a mess. Moms and dads, we can be a mess. We can mess up. Our kids can mess up. What then? Well, that's why we believe the gospel. That's why we have the cross of Christ. That's why we have the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins. You see, it's a good thing when families know their need for the Lord. And so we come and we say to our children, yeah, you went through some bad decisions. But, hey, God loves you in Jesus Christ. I love you. Let's move forward together. Do you see what I'm saying? And then the, the garland, the pendant, the, the gold medal is given to you again. Because there's grace. Do you believe in grace? Moms and dads, your role is not just giving rules. It's not just about rules. Yeah, we need rules, but we all need grace. Your children need to see that you have learned how to embrace the grace of the Lord. And you have learned how to share the grace of the Lord with your family. One more time, I said it earlier in the service. Every parenting book, every parenting magazine wants to teach children how to be confident. And that's a good thing. And they want their children how to make why they want to show you how your children can make wise choices so they don't end up going over the cliff into what the book of Proverbs calls the snares of death. Right? So every magazine wants that. Well, the Bible gives it to us first. And it says in Proverbs 14, 26, and 27, in the fear of the Lord, you see, that's in our text, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. 
Every Long Island parent, every Long Island parent wants their children to live with a confidence in life, and they want them to be safe. We're the land of the helicopter parents protecting their children. They want them to be confident. They want them to be safe. Look at what the book of Proverbs says. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Who is the one who lived with the fear of the Lord and a delight in God every second, every minute, every day of his life? You know who it was. It was Jesus who lived without sin and who loved with a perfect love. And so Jesus stands before us this day as our model of how to live. And Jesus stands before us this day as a savior of sinners. And maybe you're a mom or a dad who says, well, this is, this is a new idea to me. I don't think I've been uh, creating the schoolroom like I should. Well, today is a great day because our God is a God of new beginnings. And I don't care how old your children are. My mother was still my mother when she was 75 years old. Right? And so this is a new day for you to be a blessing to your children, moms and dads. Be a blessing to your children. And to create that schoolroom, that loving community within your family. And I can't wait to see the garland, the pendant, the grace that adorns your life. Now, we're coming to communion now. And we're going to pass out in a moment the bread and the cup uh, on those hermetically sealed communion cups. And um, we're going to partake together. We're going to ask for the forgiveness of sins where we fall short. We're going to ask for nourishment and strength to do this impossible task. And we're going to believe together that he will do it. I invite the elders to come forward and let us pray. God, our Father, we do thank you for this moment, this wonderful, holy moment when we can reflect on what your word says and we can repent of our sins and we can find forgiveness for our failures, whether we are old or young. Oh, our Father, we have over a hundred children in the broader life of this church, young men and women eager to embrace life. We pray that they will see life through your eyes, that they will have a moral compass with you dwelling in their hearts, and above all, that they would know you and love you because you first loved them. In Jesus' name, amen.